What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back for another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 32. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. Boy, man, I am... I got to make an announcement and and you guys know how I like to get down. I like to give my encouraging pieces at the top Uh, because let's be honest, most of you aren't going to last to the end anyway. So because I'm not for everybody, but um, I am so thankful. I'm so hyped. I got to I got to maintain and keep myself composed. I got a whole show to do, so I can't I can't blow my load, pause, boom, blow the load at the beginning of this show. I got to I got to be able now I got to be able to sustain. Nobody want uh, Nobody come for a quickie. They came to make love. We're going to make love today in this show. Um, But my message today is a part of my announcement. And it's just keep going. Keep plugging away. When you get into this business, this podcast business, and you're trying to put out great content, and that's what I'm here to do. That's what we're here to do. Everybody that's a part of this team, this unfiltered Jesse Holly team, we're trying to put out great content every single week. And there's a lot of components that go into it. And you just, you grind and you grind and you honestly, you, you, you have to just believe in your quality of work, um, believe that you're destined to do this and then let everything else take care of itself. And we got one. (laughs) We got one, man. We put out a clip the other day. It was, it was an honest clip. It was unfiltered. And right now it's going, I I mean, by tonight we may be at 50,000 views. We're beyond 30,000 views right now on this particular clip. And I want to thank you. I want to thank each and every one of you who take the time out of your day to watch me, to retweet, to uh, redistribute it, who like, subscribe, who do all of those great things. Remember to do that. Hit the notification button, like, subscribe, do all those different things so we can keep this train going. Um, But what a great feeling. What a great feeling knowing that every single time you're just sowing a seed, you're sowing a seed, you're sowing a seed, and then you are able to watch the the the, the fruits of your labor flourish. And so I'm I'm extremely uh, uh, thankful. I got the text today, and it's like we and, and, and just simply said we got one, we got one. And boy, whatever it is that you guys are working on, keep keep going at it, keep going at it because you've ever seen that meme where it's like the guy. Uh, behind the, the rocks are the diamonds and you see the guy just chiseling away, chiseling away. And then he gets right to the cusp of it and he gives up. And like right on the other side of just a couple of more hammers. And I know that it's been long and it's been grueling and your, your hands are are, 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 are tore to shreds because of you just been grinding. You've been getting it from the mud for so long. And you're just saying, am I ever going to be able to strike gold? Am I ever going to get to that point? Am I ever going to be able to make whatever that goal is, uh, a real life thing. And then you quit. Then you walk away. You say, you know what? I'll go do something else. And you just don't quite understand just how close you are to, to, to receiving that blessing, to having those, uh, that breakthrough, that wall being finally cleared out and you get a chance to see the diamonds. You get a chance to see the fruits of your labor. That, that's the great thing about farmers each and everywhere, each and every year. They, they do all that they can and then they plant these seeds and then they have to trust the work. 
They have to trust the work of the soil that they've prepared. They have to trust the work of the fertilizer that they put on it. They have to trust the work of the weather working in their favor. But at a certain point in time, you got to let it do what it do. You have to be able to trust the work that you've put in that that seed is going to produce at harvest. And I want to say thank you because we planted these seeds each and every week. Every time we come in here, I want to give you my absolute best. I give you my absolute best. And I plant that seed and I trust my team and I trust that I'm supposed to be doing this. And then I let the fruits grow. And when they grow, we have a chance to enjoy them. So that, that, that's a monumental moment. It may not seem like a lot to you. It means everything to me to know that I had over 30,000 people decide that I was worth listening to, that what I was saying resonated with them enough to watch, to share. So thank you. We got one. I appreciate that. And if you're watching this and you're listening to this, I'm here to tell you, keep going, keep going, keep planting those seeds. Trust the soil that you have now prepared for those seeds to go into. Trust the fertilizer that you're going to put over those seeds in that soil. Trust that everything that you're going to provide it with enough sunshine and enough love and enough nurturing that when it breaks through, that that fruit of the labor will be sweet. All right, man, let's get into this. <sighs> this breakdown. Cowboys, Philly. I was close to the score, too. I said 30-24. It was 28-23. Cowboys lose to Philadelphia in Philadelphia to fall to five and three, two and a half games back in the division. Philadelphia moves to eight and one. And, you know, be calm, Jess. Compose yourself. And not, I don't want to get lost, my emotions to get lost in this. And I want to be able to give and deliver great content. But I must say, because... It says it up there, unfiltered. So I must be completely honest with you. I, I have never been and will never be one that lives in the moral victory space. Never. I never. Never. There, there are no moral victories. They're victories and they're L's. And I think this is another situation where the Cowboys have come to playing a primetime opponent, an opponent that is greater than, uh, equal to or greater than them, and they spit the bit. And while in them spitting the bit there were some excellent performances, it seems like it's a repetitive thing when it comes to the Cowboys. The ball never seems to bounce their way. Um, and I like to say the fortune goes to the prepared. And we watch week in and week out, year in and year out, season in, season out. The Cowboys get into some of these games and all of a sudden it's a bunch of little things that they fail to do and ultimately is the death by a thousand cuts verdict. And another game, let's be honest, the Cowboys did not meet the expectation of what it takes from one good team to defeat Another good team. Yeah, it's easy when you're beating up on the Booty Juice Giants. Yeah, it's easy when you're beating up on the, the Aaron rodgers list Jets. Yeah, it's okay to beat up on the, 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 the Rams or the, or the Chargers. 
But there says something about you go up against a team like the Niners and you get dog walk. Now people are going to say, well, this game is closer than the Niners game. It doesn't matter to me. In a game like this where you actually had opportunities to win the football game, you spit the bit. You spit the bit. And I've, 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 I've heard this conversation. I've been a part of this conversation. I've, I've been a part of this team. I, I am not, I'll tell you this now, I am not a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm not. Um, but I became a part of this franchise in 2019. Sorry, excuse me, two, 2009. So I've been a part of this franchise from 2009. I've watched it my entire life. Um, but 2009 as a player, and I've covered it. So I've been a player or covering it since 2009. And the, the conversation begins to, it, it sounds the same. Talented roster, don't meet expectations. Talented this, don't meet expectations. Boy, they, this is going to be one of those great years, don't meet expectations. And I get it. We, we have a long rest of the year to go but boy we come to these games and we come to these face these opponents and and we don't show up now we can get to the, into the crust of what the game was i thought Dak prescott was amazing i did i thought Dak prescott played a hell of a game um I'm going to go do the research and find what I said this because I know I said it. I said it on this show. I said it on my other shows. I said if the Cowboys were going to win this football game almost to a T, I said Dak Prescott would need to throw the ball about 45 to 50 times. He'll need to have 375 yards, three touchdowns, and I gave him an option to have a pick. He threw the ball 44 times. He had 374 yards uh, rushing. I mean, excuse me, passing and three touchdowns. I thought Dak was amazing. But again, he had his moments in that game. But Dak, over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to give credit to where credit is due, he has played an elite level of football. He has played um, a brand of football that gives you a chance to be successful. He, he had a really good day. A really good day. He looks like he's in control of this offense again. He's using his legs more. Because while he was sacked five times, and we'll get into the reason he was sacked five times, it could have been 10. I'm going to be honest with you. When you go back and you rewatch this game, it could have been 10. It legitimately could have been 10 sacks. But he has figured out now that I have to be more mobile. I have to use my legs. I have to make things happen. Because he, he, his legs are what got him out about three or four or five sacks. It could have got way worse in this game. The chemistry between Dak and CeeDee Lamb has begun to grow. Another career day for CeeDee Lamb. 16 targets, 11 catches, 191 yards. Ain't a little complaint to get you a long way now. CeeDee has found his secret sauce, and he is, he's on a, he's on a, he, he is doing exactly what I thought he was going to be able to do coming into this season is to ascend and, and to rise into that conversation in that category of the elite receivers. He's getting there. The emergence of Jake Ferguson has come along. He's now playing like he's supposed to be out there. And when you have those options, um, you're, you're able to do more things. I, I get it. This, this, this Brandon Cooks experiment is failing. 
Let's keep it a buck. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, Brandon Cooks, wherever he went, was a walking thousand-yard receiver. When you go back and you look at the way he was doing it, a lot of vertical routes. Almost primarily vertical routes. He was getting the, he was getting the long attempts. He was getting the vertical attempts down the football field. Brandon Cooks in that speed is a one-trick pony. and it's, it's no disrespect to Brandon Cooks. But we brought in a one-trick pony and refused to use the tricks that he's good at. We brought in a quarter mile, a, 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 a quarter, what is it called? A quarter mile horse, right? We brought in one of those that's supposed to run and be, be speedy, and we don't use it. We, we, we are setting him up in a space where what he's good at, we're not doing. And so no fault to Brandon Cooks, but here's a guy you play in a game that plays over 75% of the snaps. One catch for seven yards. That goes on the scheme. That goes on the scheme. You got to be able to use this one trick pony to do what the pony does. He's not a guy who's going to, he's not Amari Cooper. He's not going to run and give you all these fantastic routes and all that kind of stuff. Nah. And now I'm coming to realize, let's just be honest, ladies and gentlemen, this is unfiltered with Jesse Holly. When good players in this league begin to get passed around, like, I ain't going to say why, like, like, but when they get passed around, there's a flaw there. Good players in any sport usually are tried, or usually teams try to keep them there. When a guy gets passed around, we have to start asking ourselves the question, why? Because he's gotten 1,000 yards everywhere he's been, but at the end of the tenure, they're, they're, they're more willing, and I get it, first-round draft picks and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say, okay, I'm, I'm giving up a guy who's a perennial 1,000-yard receiver for a first-round pick that may go to a position that I'm 50-50 I'm, I'm on. There's a gamble. There's a gamble every time you head into the NFL draft. You try, to, you try to match things up to work out in your favor, but there's a lot of bangs and there's a lot of bust. So why is it a guy that we know is at good at this and can produce this, statistically says, why is he passed around so much? Why, why, why is nobody making him bay? Why is nobody making him the cinnamon apple of their eye? He's getting passed around like 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 like, like the little the, the little chick at the party. You know, if you ever been recruited, you know that you go to the university, they call up a certain, hey, we got the big we got we got the big time recruit coming into town. Why is he getting passed around like that? There's something deeper in that. I, I, I don't know what it is, but that's something that we need to keep an eye out on. But he is not producing in a way that you need him to produce as your number two receiver. When you're giving a guy that many reps, you need production to go with that. We're eight games in the season for the Cowboys. He don't have over 25 catches. Eight, your number two receiver doesn't have over 25 catches. We heading into week nine, week 10 actually, but they had to buy nine games. 
we're heading into and your number two receiver don't have over 25 catches, something's wrong. Something's wrong. But Dak had a day. CD had a day. Ferg had a day. There were two kind of mouse in the house in this football game. On the defensive side, sorry, Jordan Lewis, you were mouse in the house. You were barbecue chicken. In the first half, whenever this team needed a play, Philadelphia needed a play, they picked on you. They, they went and said, we found our guy. Number two, whoever wants to make a play, line up in the slot. We're going to go against number two. And they did. Offensively, Terrence Steele. Terrence Steele, I, I, I have to pull these numbers up because you will not believe them if I did not tell you them. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you these numbers. Terrence Steele on the day. Okay? Terrence Steele on the day. Whew. Allowed 12 pressures. Seven hurries. Four sacks. He graded out, if you're in the PFF, he graded out a pass blocking grade of 15. 15. Let me give you more. Let me give you more because you might not believe me. And sometimes you got to hear stuff to really let it resonate with who you are. Give you another example of just how bad Terrence Steele. Now, this is the guy who's coming off an ACL injury. And this is not pile on Terrence Steele. But the Cowboys sometimes make some, they make some moves and I don't understand them. They pay a guy who's injured. And then they come back and they say, well, he's working through some things. Oh, if you knew he was working through some things, you, you, you failed to give the man help for majority of the football game. They've paid, they paid, they paid Jordan Lewis while he was hurt. They paid Michael Gallup while he was hurt. They paid Terrence Steele while he was hurt. It seems like if you're a cowboy and you get hurt, that's when a check comes. So they're paying all these hurt guys and then asking them to go out there and have monumentous performances. Here's the other stat. Total pressure, this is from my guy Nick Harris. Total pressures um, allowed by the Cowboys offensive lineman this season. Tyler Smith, who is having a phenomenal year, by the way. Okay? This that Tyler Smith is your left guard. Stop with the left tackle stuff. Tyler Smith is your left guard now and forever. He's good. He's good in the phone booth. Leave him there. Figure out the left tackle stuff somewhere else. Tyron Smith. Your left tackle's giving up five pressures on the season. Tyler Biotish, your center, is giving up 14, has given up 14 pressures on the season. Zach Martin, 13. Chuma Idoga, who's played in spurts for Tyron Smith when he's been out, has given up 11. Terrence Steele. 28. He's given up 28 pressures by himself. He gave up 12 in one game. When people want to ask about we need running backs and we need this and we need that, you don't have a running back problem. You have a blocking problem. Tyron Smith can't stay in the game. The, 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 your center is giving up an immense amount of pressure up the middle. And then your right tackle can't block a blind man. So when you, you start to add all these things together, this is why you have a season low. And, 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 and while some Cowboy fans may not want to believe it or hear it, 
money is a political play in the National Football League. The more money you make, the more political power you have. What do I mean? You keep talking about getting another running back in here for Tony Pollard. The running back landscape on the National Football League, they don't want to pay them a bag of chips. Tony Pollard is making $10.1 million. That is the fourth highest paid running back in the National Football League. Fourth. They ain't putting him on the bench. And they ain't splitting many carries with whoever y'all want to bring in. I do agree. Give some more carries to Rico Dowdle. I, I like Rico. I think he's a. I think. I think he gives you because y'all want to go back to the Zeke element. I think he gives you the Zeke physicality. But you have to understand, they're not putting the fourth highest paid running back at ten million dollars when they don't want to give running backs three million dollars, four million dollars. He's making three times of what they actually want to give running backs in the National Football League. They ain't putting them on the bench. I don't give a damn who y'all want to sign. They're going to run this, they gonna run this dude into the ground, and they're going to tell him, thank you for your services. We appreciate you. Unless you want to take this $3 million next year or, you know, this, this three-year $12 million deal and, we'll, you know, with the incentives to get up to $15, $16, 17000000 million, but your per year average is going to be around $3.5 million like the rest of the running backs in this league, we're done. Antonio will have to go somewhere and he'll bounce around. He'll, he'll, he'll go get three here and three there and three. But that's just what it is. But you don't have a running back problem. You've got a blocking problem. Offensive line is bad. Tyron can't practice, can't play. Tyler Biotis is nursing the hamstrings, giving up pressures up the middle. Like I said before, Terrence Steele is, is and, I, I don't, and I, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm hammering these dudes, but the facts are the facts. You get 28 pressures in the season. You get four sacks in the game. You won't win that way. But when you come down to this game, what I feel in this game, when you go up and you get when you when you go up and you have to play elite caliber teams and and have have Philadelphia wherever you want to have them at, they're in the tops of the National Football League. Whether they're the best team or the second team, or they're in the top three. And so when you play Super Bowl caliber teams, teams who are legitimately contenders for the Super Bowl, the one thing that you cannot be is undisciplined. And the one thing, the other thing that you cannot be is you cannot have the uh, the details not met. And when you pull back the layers of this game, when you when you when you peek under the hood, when you look up under the skirt of this game, the details are the things that lost this football game. This game was lost in the third quarter. The Cowboys were up 17-14 at halftime. Come out of the half, the details of the game. Brandon Arby had his great season so far. What does he do? Kick the ball out of bounds. Where does Philly get the ball at? 40-yard line. That's 15 yards. That's a, that's a first down in the half where now I, I am 10 yards. I'm 11 yards from flipping the field. So even if I get nothing, I've now flipped the field. See, as a special teams guy, you understand and you know about hitting yardage. That 15 yards is hitting yardage. What happens? Two, play, uh, two yards, seven yards, eight yards, da 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 Boom. Double move on, on Deron Bland, touchdown. Devontae Smith. 
They kick the ball to the Cowboys. The Cowboys do nothing with it, punt it away. They get the ball back again. What do they do? Methodically work their way down the field. Touchdown. Ball game. That, literally, that is your ball game. That is the ball game right there. The Cowboys scored six points in the second half. They did what they had to do. Details of the game. And I'm going to give you some details of this game. When you go back and look and go, when you have this many details that are missed, you lose football games. Let's go back to the first half. On their first drive, Philadelphia's first drive, I felt that there should have been a challenge call. Jalen Hurts was down. They gave him a, they gave, if you're, if you're a Philadelphia fan, gave you a fantastic spot. If you're a Cowboys fan, horrible spot. It should have been two yards. I mean, a big two yards. They give him one yard. Cowboy didn't challenge the spot for whatever reason. Philadelphia has an automatic play there. They got one, one yard, one and a half yards. The tush push, ain't nobody stopping that. Sorry. And don't nobody do it like them. They get a first down, continue that drive. What do they do? Go down and score. If you challenge that play and it's fourth and two and they're backed up alone two, they're punting that. And anything could happen in that situation. There was at least seven drops in this football game. Michael Gallup had his share. C.D. Lamb had his. Ferg had his. Pollard had his. Tolbert had his. I mean, it, it, it was, you get a drop. You get a drop. You get a drop. Can't have seven drop passes. Those are drive killers. And some of those passes were to, to, to extend the drive. Got a punt. I talked about the kick the ball out of bounds. Schoolmaker. When you go back and you watch the schoolmaker play and, 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 and where you can say that, I get it, he was, he was tackled before he actually caught the ball. What you learn as a receiver-type player, tight end, receiver, whatever it is, you always learn, you're taught this in receiving the football one-on-one. When you're in crucial situations, fourth down, goal line, games on the line, if I if the if the the mark to get a first down is eight yards, I run my route at nine, nine and a half. Because I have to make sure that I'm beyond the marker. Because if I have to come back to the football as a contested catch, I don't want to be in front of my destination. Schoolmaker runs a route where Ferg is supposed to come in and pick Reed Blankenship to make him bubble over the top. Schoolmaker supposed to go vertical, then to the flat. Dumped the ball off to him for a touchdown. But he ran his route, didn't get vertical enough, did not make Reed Blankenship move an inch. He didn't move his, go back and watch the tape. Didn't move his inch. Did not move an inch. When he broke out, Reed broke out with him. But he broke his route off in front of the goal line. Down. Feel how you feel about the pass interference or whatever. No touchdown. Touchdown off the board can't have that cannot have a guy rookie i get it you're a rookie but hey you've been playing the position for a long time you cannot do that details two-point play Dak's running for the two-point conversion using his legs i like it i love it but Dak, come on dog come on take the contact make sure know that you know that you know that you know that i'm in there stepped out of bounds you can't do that that is a detailed matter in a game that costs you two points, changes the outcome of the game. Cavante Turpin, when they punted the ball back to the Cowboys, 
right? Time is of the essence. I thought Mike McCarthy and company, they went a little bit too slow in their approach. They were burning a lot of gas. A lot of time was being ticked off the clock. They weren't moving with enough pace for me. Kevante Turpin, instead of you positioning yourself to call a fair catch and actually receive the ball, clock stops right there when you catch it, the ball hits the ground. And as long as the ball is rolling, the clock is running. You lost seven seconds in that misplay. Doesn't seem like a lot. They could have used seven seconds at the end of the game. Play call is different. If I know I got enough time to take a shot down the middle of the field and get tackled, means, it means a lot. There was another hidden thing that you don't think about. Seven seconds went off the clock once Kevontae Turpin did not catch the ball. The delay of game, that's on Dak. Get in the huddle, get the call, break the huddle, get everybody lined up. That, that's huddle talk. That's huddle talk right there. I got, hey, let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's get in the huddle, get the play call, get lined up. Ferg don't know what's going on. He's looking around and saying, what, what is it? What is it? Then he finally gets the call, and now I, the, I'm doing silent count because it's a loud stadium. Now my guard is taking a little bit more time because now he has to survey the land to get the, the motion to the center, delay a game. Chumi Doga, when you come in as an extra offensive lineman, it is worked every single day in practice. You have to go to the white hat, that the white hat, the white hat official, the head official, you have to go to that official and say, hey, Mr. Official, 71 is reporting into the game. I'm an eligible receiver. The white hat then goes and he says, to the nation, 71 is an eligible receiver. Receiver Number 71 is an eligible receiver. And I know you're all going to say, well, Dak asked the referee, is he eligible? Dak can't do it. That can't, he cannot make that call. That has to come from Chuma Idoga. It's been that way since they allowed this rule to happen. And there's no way that Chuma can sit there all day and say, I said it. If you go to the official and you tell him 71's reporting, he is supposed to turn and announce to the world and to the defense, 71 is in the game as an eligible receiver. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. Cost your team. You cost your team in that situation. And then you have, from the coaching perspective, you continue to line up Terrence Steele with no help. And he was getting, he wasn't getting beat to the outside. He's giving up inside. I mean, he, I mean, he's giving up the he's giving up the draws. And here's why, here's why getting beat inside is so crucial. If I beat the tackle inside, it's a straight line to the quarterback. If I beat him outside, I can at least allow him to run the hump. The quarterback can see me beating him outside, step up in the pocket, and have a chance to deliver the football. But if I get beat inside, where he going to step? Ain't nowhere to step. Nowhere to, and there's nowhere to step up into the pocket. And what you don't want to do is retreat. You don't want your quarterback retreating backwards. So when you get beat inside, that's, a coaching, that's coaching malpractice. You watched that man struggle all game long, and you did nothing to help him. And then finally, people are going to say, well, Dak should have went on the schoolmaker play, look to the other side. You're going to say, well, Brandon Cooks was wide open in the middle of the field. Well, guess what? He couldn't look that way. Zach Martin missed a blocking assignment. It was three for three on the right-hand side. Zach Martin's supposed to pass that guy off to the center, take the blitzing guy. Then Dak may have had a chance. But it's the details in the game that costs the Cowboys. 
And it's the details that we talk about every single time they go up against equal to or greater than opponents. You're always, you, you've always had a roster talented enough. But what happens when you have Jimmys and Joes who are equal to or greater than in talent? It comes down to the details. In this league, you hear about it. It's a game of inches. The Cowboys lost the game of inches. Go look at the numbers. It looks like the Cowboys should have won the football game, but they didn't. And this is a recurring theme that happens week, not saying week in and week out, but too often against quality, quality, good to great to elite football teams. You have some players play well. Dak play well. CD play well. Ferg play well. Other guys, not so much. And, and when teams, that third quarter, and when teams want what they want, Philadelphia knew we needed a score right now, they got it. We needed one more score, they got it. When they needed something, they went and got it. When we needed something, we came up short. Six points in the second half. Unacceptable. And, and still, and still, you had an opportunity. You were on the six-yard line. And you just methodically walked yourself back because of penalties, because of sacks, because of lack of attention to detail. And this is what buries the Cowboys every single year. Is that you get up and you have to face these teams that are good, that are good. And, and I don't want to hear about the refs. Because you didn't say anything two weeks ago when the Cowboys were profitable because of just questionable referee calls. As my grandmother used to say, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Don't not complain about calls going your way for the last two weeks, but now complain when you have the, when some calls may not go your way. Yeah, I get it. The refs are sometimes going to be awful. It ain't just for your team, because sometimes the calls go in your favor. You had an opportunity to win that football game. They gave you, the refs gave you about 60 yards of penalties in the fourth quarter, that final drive. You had the pass interference, and then you had the, 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 the rough of the pass on Hassan Riddick. You were there. You were there. And you couldn't put it through. Cowboys lose 28-23 to the Philadelphia Eagles, put them two and a half games behind. Now Philadelphia. Um, they got the Giants up next, which should be a win. The Giants are bad. Uh, sad news for Daniel Jones. He's out with an ACL injury. He's done for the year. Tyrod Taylor's hurt, so you're going to be getting Tommy DeVito. Should be a win for the Cowboys. And you'll get a chance to play this team again at home in the next couple weeks. But, you know, don't tell me. Don't tell me, oh, I'm, I feel good about this. We, we, we could have won that game. You didn't. You didn't. And you outplayed them. They didn't play a good game. They didn't play. I'm sure when they go back, they had, oh, I missed one. Details. Three fumbles. You caused three fumbles and didn't get any of them. I missed that one. They, 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 they're going to watch tape and go, man, we, showed, we won this game and we didn't play our best. So if you played damn near at your optimal best with lack of details and they didn't play their best brand of football, and they still won, what happens if they play their best brand of football? 
what I'm saying, man. When you, when you got them on the ropes, man, got to finish the job. And we have far too many conversations about this team that do, they do not finish the job. To kind of go into my Denny Green speech, they are who we thought they were. And we had them on the ropes. And we let them off the hook. Can't do that in this league, man. Can't do that in this league. Well, it's behind us now. We'll move on. And uh, we'll, get, we'll get prepared and ready to go for the New York football Giants this week. So stay tuned for that. I'll break that down and give you our previews for that. This is what Giants, I'll be honest with you. This is one of those weeks where I hate watching the film. Giants are bad. Bad, 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 bad football team. But I will do my due diligence and I will, I will give you the, the, the information that you need. So you have it. But the Cowboys lose 28-23 to the Philadelphia Eagles. We move on. We move on. All right, man, around sports. This is a big one, man. The Rangers are fresh. I mean, you can still smell it in the air. Fresh off winning the World Series, your 2023 World Series champions. The parade was last week. Tay went to the parade. I didn't go to the parade. I wasn't going to that mountain since. A lot of people went out there. Good time for the peoples. I love, I love a winning city. It's good for everybody. But honestly, I know the World Series is the end all. It, it is it is big business. But there's some news that came out for the for, for the baseball world and for the Texas Rangers. And if this happens, I know World Series is up here, but this will be big news. This will be this 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 will be and it, it won't rival winning the Super Bowl, the, the World Series, but boy. The soon to be, I can say that. I, I can say that. I believe that. The soon to be AL MVP, Shohei Otani, who's recovering from Tommy John. Pending free agencies, it's it's now underway. They're in the period right now where they allow your team. They give teams five-day grace period to kind of get out there and sign their own guys, right? So it's kind of like, and you get five days to make me bay. You get five days to make me feel like I should be your cinnamon apple and we can get a deal done before anybody else has a shot. Well, a guy like Shohei Otani, it probably doesn't matter. Because what he going to do is say, I, I cool, I, I appreciate you, but you had, a little, you, had, you had a little while to show me that you really wanted to make me bay. So once these five days are over, I'm going to see what my options are about. And while Shohei is a unicorn, something we have never seen before, at least in my lifetime, we've never seen a guy who has power at the plate, who has 40, 50 home run ability at the plate, and can go give you 10, 11 wins on the bump. I haven't seen it in my lifetime. Most of you watching it haven't seen it in your lifetime. This is a unicorn type of player. Now, next year with the Tommy John, he probably won't pitch, which is fine. I mean, you're still going to get one of the best hitters in baseball. You, you add that to your lineup, your lineup automatically becomes better. Well... There's something about winning. Something about the way you make me feel. Feel. When you win, to the victor goes the spoils. Shohei Otani's entering free agency in a report from Bob, from Bob Nightingale that the Rangers are in one in, 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 in is, is in Shohei's short list of teams that he is willing to go to. 
Now you got to compete with the Dodgers. Got to pe- compete with the Giants. Of course, the Boston's going to stick their nose in there. The Yankees going to have their nose in there. The Cubs are going to have their nose in there. But reports are saying that right now that Shohei is saying, my, my top three, two or three teams, Rangers. And there are some interesting, compelling things when you talk about being a Texas Rangers. One, the winning is there. Your winning is there. You're playing indoors. The weather is great. He'll still be in the AL when he's kind of familiar with. He's playing, he's, he's in the AL. Coaching, I think Bruce Bochy will be here for at least another two years. Winning sometimes gives guys uh, rejuvenation. I heard Bruce Bochy talk today, and he talked about, you know, I need to do some things that, you know, I'm going to get my health better. He's probably going to do some surgeries or something like that, probably the way he walked out to the mile, he might need a hip and a knee. He might, he might need some of that stuff. But he's going to get himself better. A young, talented team. It's, you know, when you when you got guys that you can play around. and Is that a pause moment? Might be a pause moment. Pause. When you got guys in the lineup that when you play within the lineup, you got guys that, that can hit in front of you, behind you, makes life a whole lot better. State tax. Because when I give you the number of what he's looking to get, state tax matters. You stay over there on the West Coast, they're going to tear that tax up. They're going to tear that tax up. Right? Living is relatively cheaper than if you go to New York, New Jersey, if you go to Chicago, or if you stay on the West Coast. I mean, there's a lot of factors that are playing in to a dude right now. They're talking about Shohei Otani can probably bring upwards to between five. Hundred to eight hundred million dollar contract. I played the wrong sport. Even though I was scared to hit the ball, I should have gave it a shot. Not that I would. Not that I would be a five hundred million dollar player, but boy, the thought of being in that conversation. And the Rangers are a team right now that are saying, you know what? The window was open for us to spend. We got some money to spend. There's no salary cap in baseball. It's luxury tax. But you bring in a player like Shohei automatically. You know, you win a super, you win a Super Bowl, you win a World Series. I, I'm already getting emails now from the Rangers. Spring ticket, spring, spring baseball tickets are on sale. So I'm like, damn, it's it's November. You don't usually hear about this until at least January. Nah, they season tickets are on sale for next year. All of a sudden now things are happening. You bring a guy like Shohei into your into your fold. After coming off the World Series, the tin roof will blow off this place. Not only do you bring that, you bring another audience in as well. You bring the Asian audience in. You bring that, you bring that international audience in to watch your team. Now you have, a, you, you, you have another population. And believe it or not, if you go down, there, there's a K-Town. You ever been to K-Town, Tay? There's a K-Town, a Koreatown. Good chicken down there. I'm just going to tell y'all. It's good chicken. It's good chicken down there. You, you bring in that population now. They're going to support Shohei. They're going to come out and support Shohei. But if they can pull that off, if they, I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. And maybe I'm bugging. And y'all can tell me, Jay Holly, you're bugging. If winning the World Series is coupled with signing Shohei Otani, 
Rangers might be talking to town next year over the Cowboys. Am I bugging? I might be bugging. I might be bugging. But winning a World Series and signing Shohei Otani? If you put the Cowboys game and the Rangers game on the same day with Shohei in the in 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 the in the fold, don't know that don't know who might get more attention that day. Yeah, ATT holds more people. Don't know who might get more attention that day. I'm just saying. You you sign you sign a guy like Shohei and you couple that with the World Series. Briefly, I don't know if it lasted the entire, but briefly, we 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 get to we get to that August September thing again and the Rangers are 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 are, are balling. Cowboys you in trouble. <laughs> Maybe I'm bugging. Am I I might be bugging. Stars and Mavericks, you're, you're done. Pack you up. Pack him up. Stars, Mavericks, pack y'all up. I might be bugging, but I don't know. I don't know. Signing Shohei would definitely, the buzz around here would be crazy. I, I think for the first, if they sign, if they figure out a way to sign Shohei, I think Jerry starts sweating. I do. I think Jerry starts sweating because he starts he starts seeing I might be losing the grip of the city's attention. That's how big Shohei is. I, am I? Tr- I'm not bugging. I'm not bugging. I'm not Jesse. You're not bugging. You're not bugging. I'm not tripping. I'm not. I'm not tripping. I think Shohei's that big of a deal. While I I do believe that MLB doesn't market their players good enough. I think Shohei is a big enough, he is a megastar. He's an international megastar. Damn good baseball player. If you couple winning a World Series with signing Shohei, count your days, Jerry. Count your days. The pressure is, the pressure is now on. You can't talk about, you, you, you'll have to get out of that mode of play winning. Like you, you, you play win. You play. You want to win. You play. You play. You play. Cause your attendance, attendance is always up. The ratings are always there. You, you, you sell the hopium to the people. Like one of the best hopium dealers in the country. They sign Shohei. You gonna have to regroup. All right, man. Moving on from there. I got some salutes I want to give. I, I, I do. I have some salutes I want to give around the National Football League. Salute. To Josh Dobbs. Gotta give Josh. The Arizona Cardinals have one win this season. You know what that win was? Against the Cowboys. You know why there was that win? Josh Dobbs. This is Josh Dobbs smart as hell. Went to Tennessee. What was it? Arrow physicist. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. I went to a public university and a public high school. Not the smartest person on the planet. Damn sure they're smarter than Josh Dobbs. But you got to give credit. Josh Dobbs comes from one team to get signed to Arizona, is there a month, has to start games. Now, they don't win, but he's competing. Aerospace engineer. Aerospace engineer. Definitely was not on my uh, syllabi 
Wasn't on my syllabus. I can tell you that right now. Arrow what? Arrow space. There was a space in my there was a space on my syllabi. It wasn't aerospace. Dude is smart. Goes to Arizona, been there a month. He's been to NASA. He's been to the moon. Probably. Maybe. Him and Future. Future said, dress it up and go to NASA. Josh Dobbs said, surely I'll do it. Goes goes to Arizona, is there a month, ends up having that team compete. They didn't win many games, but they were competing. Kirk Cousins tears his Achilles, is done for the season. They elevate, uh, who are their backup quarterback? His name is Brandon Powell. Brandon Powell's like, all right, you're up, kid. But as insurance, we're going to trade with Arizona, and we're going to bring in Josh Dobbs for insurance. But Powell's going to go out there and play for us. Well, Powell goes out there in the first quarter and gets himself a concussion. Jared Hall. Oh, I'm sorry, Jared Hall. Sorry. Powell's a receiver. Powell's a receiver. Sorry. Jared Hall. Jared Hall. Is he from BYU? Did he go to BYU? Maybe, possibly. I could be bugging. I, I'm not that's twi- I'm not bugging. I'm nice. Reminding y'all I'm nice. Fifth round pick. Fifth round pick out of BYU. Jaron Hall, you're up, kid. And then you're down. Concussed in the first quarter. He's out. Josh Dobbs, you're in. Josh Dobbs is on the sideline getting snaps from the center and the offensive line is around because they've never heard his cadence before. They're trying to get synced up with his cadence. Josh Dobbs is like, I don't even know everybody's name. Don't know everybody's name. I just got here. I don't know everybody's name. Who are you? Who? Hey, I'm, I'm Josh. We're about to go out here and play a football game. What does he do? He gets sacked two times, uh, fumbles two times. Uh, I think he gets, a, he gets a safety. Doesn't stop old Josh. Fumble, and he got fumbled twice. He got sacked for a safety. Doesn't stop old Josh. He keeps coming. Pulse. He keeps going. Ends up three touchdown game, 220-something yards, and a game-winning touchdown to Brandon Powell. Vikings win the game against the Atlanta Falcons. This dude just got there. He is a consummate professional everywhere he goes. And that it says something about a guy who can go from one team to the next. Now, I don't know if he's going to run off a bunch of victories, victories, but that says something about a dude who can come in there and just, and just win. Shout out to you. Shout out to my boy, CJ Stroud. I, I told you guys I'm a fan of CJ's. He is balling. Another fantastic performance. I got to get his stats right quick because I forgot to write them down. 470. 470, five touchdowns. 30-42. He's made Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown. You want there in the stats too? Noah Brown had 158 yards receiving. What did Dalton Schultz have? 53 for Noah. 153 for Noah. 130 for Schultz. 10 catches. Huh. Touchdowns for both of them. Huh. And then the uh, Tank Dell had uh, 114 as well. I I, I am huh. I am I'm I'm give me all the CJ Stroud stock you got. I I am I'm, I'm in. I'm in. 
I'm in on I'm in on everything CJ Stroud. You hear that young man talk, he gets it. He understands it. He understands how to make a connection with players. I think D'Amico Ryans is in that caliber of the young coaches who understand that I have to love on this dude. I, I got to be transparent with this dude. I got to surround him with the right stuff. I can't just put him out there and hope that it happens. I have to put him out there in ways that it can happen for him to be successful. And boy, I, I, I am all in. I'm all in on C.J. Stroud, man. This kid, he has it. He has the it factor. And he may, be, he may break the curse of Ohio State quarterbacks. I, I think this is the one. He, he is the generational curse breaker of Ohio State quarterbacks in the National Football League. Because I told y'all I'm out on him. I'm out on Justin Fields. Pack him up. CJ Stroud, my brother, salute to you. Salute to you. He is on a historic run for a rookie. And to right now, most people thought that the Houston Texans probably wouldn't win four games all year. They're four and four right now. They're four and four right now. And they're going to continue to build. Look up what look up what draft picks Houston have this upcoming draft. Cause you add some more talent around that kid. He's gonna be, he's gonna, he, he's he's gonna be, Houston, you do not have a problem at quarterback. You got one. They got eight picks and they have Cleveland's first. Oof. If 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 D'Amico Ryan's is worth his weight in salt. You turn those picks, you get some defensive guys because you're a defensive coach, but you surround that kid with some more talent, man. What number What number is that Cleveland pick? Um, you mean like projected? Yeah, yeah. If that Cleveland pick is pretty high, there, there's some guys out there. I like that Florida State receiver. Kean, Kean, Kean uh, Johnson, Florida State. I like that kid. It's a good, that's a good kid. But yeah, CJ Stroud, brother, salute to you. And then my final salute goes to interim head coach Antonio Pierce. After Mark Davis came to his senses and fired the GM and fired Josh McDaniels, who I told you guys is a horrible human being, they gave the job to Antonio Pierce, not just 21st? Eh, okay. They gave the job to Antonio Pierce as an interim head coach right now with the potential to possibly be in the runnings next year for the head coaching job. I told you guys time and time again before how I felt about Josh McDaniels. He is one that I have not been um, in favor for. Story comes out by the great Jay Glazer, comes out Sunday. The Raiders had a, a, a come to Jesus meeting, okay? And, and it was an opportunity for the team, captains, whoever, to speak their peace. And they unloaded on Josh McDaniels. Player after player after player. In the cowardly manner that Josh McDaniels moves in, he had Antonio Pierce speak on his behalf. 
In the speech that Antonio Pierce had talked about, he said, I was a part of that New York Giants team that every week we believed in our game plan so much that it didn't matter who we played, we felt as if we were going to win. We need to restore that feeling back into our program. Well, if you know anything about that team that he was talking about, that team went on to beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. The offensive coordinator of that team, Josh McDaniels. According to Jay Glazer's story, after that uh, 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 riveting speech, because they said that the team was kind of feeling like, okay, you know what? That's right. We can do that. Josh McDaniels then goes to Antonio Pierce and he says in front of people, don't ever talk about the Patriots again. And he said, that's when it all went to, to crap. And it's another example of just how poor of a leader Josh McDaniels is. Unfortunately, Mark Davis is going to cost you some cash. You're still paying for the whole John Gruden situation. So now you got John Gruden, you got the GM, and you got Josh McDaniels. But you made a good move. Antonio Pierce goes out, plays against his former team, New York Giants, and put the whooping on him. Got the switch. Go get the switch, and you better not come back with a small one. Get the switch. They beat the brakes off the New York football Giants. I think it was 30 to 6. Yeah, 30 to 6. They beat up on the New York football Giants. Knocked out Daniel Jones in that game. I don't know what this means for the Raiders, but guess what, Raiders? I can pick you now. Josh Daniels is out of there. He's a rich man, but he's out of there. Shout out to Antonio Pierce. And I, this final thing, I'm going to end with this. And this is, this is, this is this is one that I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about. Even Tay and I, we got into a respectfully, respectful. And I'm always for respect. I'm going to respect your opinion. I want you to respect my opinion. You don't have to agree with my opinion. I don't have to agree with your opinion. We can respectfully agree to disagree. As long as the respect lines are never crossed, I'm always going to be good. I'm always willing to have a debate, a discussion with anybody as long as the respect lines are always clean. And we, 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 we kept the lines very clean, very respectful on both parties. He's where he's at. I'm where I'm at. And it's been a Twitter storm fire. What am I talking about? On this college football Saturday, USC had a, a, a matchup against the Washington Huskies, two um, potential Heisman Trophy candidate quarterbacks. Go at it. USC loses a close game to Washington at the end of this game. Reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, potentially the first overall pick in the NFL draft, loses this game. And before he exits the, before he exits the field, you see Caleb Williams climb into the stands and uh, jump into the arms, what I'm assuming is his mom. His mom hugs him. Whatever she had in her hand, she had like a poster or whatever. She covers his face. But you can see him visibly um, crying in the arms of his mother. When they show that on the game, Twitter blew up. Twitter blew up. And you had a lot of these people saying, what poor leadership. Look at that loser. 
If I'm a GM in the National Football League, I don't even draft him. I have questions. I'm not a USC fan. I, I, I can sit here and say I'm not even a Caleb Williams fan. What I am a fan of is people having to understand, especially when it comes to men, having emotional intelligence. Far too often, we as men, and this is for the men I'm talking to, I'm talking to you men, even as little boys, we've been told, don't cry. What you crying for? Don't let them see you sweat. Don't, don't cry in front of people. Don't publicly cry. And you've, hear, you've heard this time and time and time and time. I heard the same thing from my uncle. Would cry, would punch you in the chest for crying. And so now little boys who are told they cannot cry or that crying is a sign of weakness or that crying all of a sudden now becomes this, this chink in a man's armor become young men. And these little boys who have told not to cry become young men who are told not to cry. Never let them see you sweat. Don't cry. Crying is for girls. You're a sissy if you cry. Now become grown men. So these little boys become, who are told don't cry, become young adults who are told don't cry, now become full-blown men that are told don't cry. Don't ever cry. Don't cry publicly. Don't cry anywhere. Don't cry in front of people. Don't let them see the softer side of you. Don't let them see the side of you that they deem to be weak. And so you hear this notion year in and year out over and over and over and over for generations upon generations upon generations. When is a good place to cry? Because now you have this mindset of crying is an emotion that I am not supposed to be a part of. When crying actually comes from the same emotion of laughing, crying comes from the same emotion of worry, fear, scared. All of these emotions come from the same place. So if telling me that I cannot cry to hold this cry again or to do it in a private place, you've now created a generation of men who don't show emotion. And now what happens is you have this buildup over the years, and then now that, 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 that inability to show outwardly emotion becomes anger, becomes violence, becomes hotheads and tempers. And now someone's daughter's being beat on. And I'm not saying that Caleb is a, whoop, a womanizer. I'm saying that this is the residual effects when you have men who don't understand what emotional intelligence is. And when you have a crowd of people that come out and say, well, because he cried publicly, it's a chink in his armor. When what I saw was a kid, a young man, whatever bubble that he lives in, because his bubble is, I have the weight of USC on my shoulders. As the quarterback of this franchise, I put in so much time, energy, and effort, and sacrifice, and blood, and sweat, and tears, and our goal was to take this team on the shoulders of me, Caleb Williams, to compete in a national championship. 
I had all the notoriety. They have my jerseys in the stores. I have the NIL deals. I'm making a bunch of money. I, I'm the face of this franchise. At 20, 21 years old, still a child. And I get to a place where I lose a game, and for all intents and purposes, three losses, you're not getting to the, you're not getting to the, 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 the college world, um, playoffs. You ain't getting to the Pac-12 champ. It's, it's done. My college career is inevitably done. And as I'm trying to embrace and take all this stuff in that it's coming at me right now, it's a rush coming at me right now, I look and I see the one person. And if you're like me, if you had a mom or a grandma, the one person that no matter what is happening in this world, I can sit in that person and I know that there is comfort and that there is, there is solitude and there is love in that one person and I see her. And I don't know if cameras are still on me because I don't, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not, the game's over. I got, a, I got all these emotions happening into me. I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed. I have all these emotions coming into this 21-year-old kid and I see the one person who, no matter what, is going to love me. And so I go over to my mom just, just because I know that a hug can do something to me that just, just I, I feel safe. This is my safe place. This has been the one place that I could have gone my entire life and no matter what, I'm safe. And I go to this place, and if you're like me, it was my grandmother. And my grandma used to say this thing. She would say, everything's going to be okay. And it didn't matter what it was. Whatever the weight of the bubble of the world that I was living in, whatever that weight was, it was lifted. Because the one person who was the safest place for me told me in an embrace, in a hug, Everything's going to be okay. Now, I don't know what his mother said to him, but I know that hug. That hug was a hug of a mother that for years and years and years, from the time that you got a boo-boo on your knee to the time that you lost your first football game to now has been right there. And it said, everything's going to be okay. And when he got in the arms of his mother, it was a safe place. Doesn't matter if it was in the stands. That's my safe place. That's my, that's my place where I can be Caleb. Not the Heisman Trophy winner, not the USC quarterback, not the potential number one overall pick, Caleb. And, and the weight of the bubble of the world that I'm living in, in that moment, is lifted. Now, you can sit there and tell me all you want. If I'm a GM, I'm questioning him, uh, the public display, da-da-da-da. All y'all that's saying that, I've been in the locker rooms. I've been around these Goliath of the men that you're talking about. A lot of them cry. A lot of them. And a lot of them run home and wish they could be in the arms of their mama or grandma. So what Caleb did isn't, isn't an indictment on Caleb. The skill, he didn't lose his skill set because he cried. I saw a kid that looked frustrated because he put in so much work and winning matters to him and losing bothers him. 
I don't give a damn what the optics are. And I, and, and I respectfully let anyone have their opinion. But this is wrong with men today. Is that we find ourselves in these places where, well, where can I express my emotions? Because if I cannot cry and I don't have the emotional intelligence to know that, you know what? Something is bothering me. Crying is actually helping. It's an emotion that each and every one of us has been given from God. So if you can laugh, you can cry. And it's okay. We have too much of this, uh, this, 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 this masculinity where men don't cry. And if you will cry, you a, you a punk and you this and you that. Says who? Says who? I saw Mike Tyson cry in public. Bet you won't call him a punk to his face. So when I see that kid had that emotional moment, it's crazy that we live in the world today. And, 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 I, and I get it. Social media ain't real. But what's real is there are so many men who are sitting in prisons, who are dead, who are emotionally distant, who don't have a, a, a concept of what they are because you build and you hold all that stuff in and then you break. Because you've never figured out a way to where can I express my emotions. I am here to tell you men that are watching this, you can cry. Publicly. And it's okay. And I know people are going to say, well, you know, you add crying to him putting F Utah on his fingernails and them laughing at Max Duggan. Okay, cool. Hypocritical in that moment. Right? The nails, I don't care about that. Like, that's, young people do that now, right? That's a thing. The nails and all that kind of stuff, cool. But to say that there's some sort of negative connotation to anybody who cries, especially men, that if they cry publicly, it's a bad thing, you're wrong. And I respectfully disagree with your opinion about it. And if you're a GM or an owner, or a team that's looking for a franchise quarterback and a man crying in his mother's arms in a moment where he was looking for a safe place scares you, I almost want to say I guarantee the franchise that you're running is already a bad franchise. And it ain't because of a kid crying. It's because you're the leader, GM, owner, whoever that is. We got to do better. We, we have to give these young men, these little boys, uh, kids, young men, we have to open up that space of, yeah, be emotional. I ain't saying whine and be a brat all day, but if you're going through, what is wrong? There is something wrong. And it's okay to express that through tears. Let's, let's, let's kill the stigma of th this, 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 this negative thing when it comes to males crying. It's healthy. I promise you if more men cried and more men understood, I'm not saying you have to be emotional or, but if more men understood their emotions, they would be, it would be better for them to handle, but they keep everything so locked in and so tight. And then you get to a point and then you just break. And that's what's killing a lot of folks in health wise and in their temper and actions to others. So Kalo, I wish I still had my grandmother here to cry in her arms sometimes. Young man, I saw nothing wrong with what you did.
Now all you got to do is go out there and show them that you're still a great football player. And every now and again, you're going to have a few tears. If there's a man watching this, it's okay to cry for you too. I know what your granddad said. I know what your uncle said. I know what your old school father said. But it's okay. Allow yourself the space to be emotional. My therapist tells me, he said, listen, when you have an emotion that's real, let's sit with that emotion, let's identify it, let's give it a name. I'm crying because that offended me, that hurt my feelings. It's okay to say that. And when you're able to do that, you're able now to maneuver and navigate in a space of emotions that's healthy. That's healthy. And you're able to identify those things and put a name to them. And not keep them pent up until you explode. All right, man, that's the show I have for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for being here with me. I, I'm telling you, I pour out to you guys because you pour back into me. We got one, man. Uh, I'll keep, keep liking, subscribing, hit the notification. At Mr. Fourth Along, all over the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, um, uh, uh, Facebook, Fanatic Views. Find us on YouTube, Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Continue to make this thing real, man. I promise you, we're going on this journey together. You and me, us, we're going to the top, man. I appreciate you all so much. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Hit the notification button, man. Holler at me. I love the engagement. I love to be there. Leave your comments. Spotify, uh, uh, Apple, subscribe there. Leave your comments, man. Thank you guys so much, so, so much. Remember, never let anyone say that their life is better than yours because it's your life. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out. <laughs>